Good day, ladies and gentlemen of Civ Classic. I am Worm Wizard, host of Box Talk. Let's go ahead and just get started. This event will be approximately 30 minutes. We have three different parts to this interview. The first part is Verda Basics, as in what is Verda about? It's politics, where our guests fit into the structure. The second part is the history of Verda, like how it started, its greatest pushback, and how it has recovered since then. The third part is the culture of Verda, as in what do they do to make themselves unique with people, buildings, and more. This official sponsor of today's box talk is Verda itself. The nation has been a beautiful host as we are live here at this monastery, and they were able to accommodate for the event very well. Verda wishes peace and harmony to all nations on the server. Contact our guests if you want to know more after the interview. Now, without further ado, let me introduce the Patriarch of Verda, Hoja, and the Acting Regent, Haxiety. It's wonderful to be here today. I'm the Patriarch of Verda, Phantom Hoja. Uh, I was on Civcraft in 2.0 as part of the Nation of Olympia, and in 3.0 I was part of the town of Arlignac. Well, it's great to be here. I'm Exciety. Uh, I was on 2.0 with Hoja um, under Olympia as well, but I never joined 3.0. All right, uh, let's go ahead and get started then. Let's start with the first part here, the basics. When did you two join Verda? What attracted you to it? Well, we didn't really uh, so much just join Verda right off the bat. Initially, Hoja and I had this idea of founding this city of cities, Axiom, uh, nearby there, you can see these huge roads uh, spanning north, south, and east, west. Um, they're quite a far ways from this monastery, but you can easily see them on the world map. Um, it didn't really take off very well, but we did become close friends with Magmus and a lot of other people from Verda after they contacted us, because we were essentially squatting on their land. Um, so eventually, we became close friends. And since Magmus wasn't really able to manage Verda that much after some unfortunate events, uh, we were entrusted. You know, we were attracted to it because it was really was a, a place where we could show our values. It was, how would you put it? There was a lot of untapped yeah. potential. Untapped potential, for sure. Yeah, it wasn't so much that we chose Verda, but literally Verda kind of chose us. Okay, and so what is the political structure of Verda like, and where do you two fit into it? So Verda is sort of a theocratic autocracy. Um, it's ruled by an autocrat in the region, and the autocrat has primacy to an extent. It's, you know, it's an autocratic regime, so he has essentially absolute political power. However, he's obligated to respect, first of all, the religion of Verda, Verdan Orthodoxy, which I represent and head. And he's also obligated to be a sort of father to the people of the nation and to enforce our principles. What power do you two have in Verda? What can you two personally do? Personally, as regent, uh, as Hoja said, I have absolute power. Um, I direct domestic, but not necessarily foreign matters. Um, 
citizens basically swear an oath of loyalty to me. Um, not literally, but uh, they're expected <laughs> to do it in their hearts. Although, of course, my power has limitations. We have a we technically have a constitution, even though by Magnus's decree, I'm allowed to uh, revoke it at any time. But hmm. I definitely have an honor, uh, an honorable relationship with my patriarch. What are some responsibilities that you have, like day-to-day -day responsibilities? Well, as regent, uh, I do a lot of grinding, and I try to direct people towards grinding. Um, I manage a sort of communal storage for all of our citizens, uh, as opposed to making our citizens get all of their um, get all of their resources right off the bat and for all their construction. We just we expect them to follow up on our investment of just giving them building supplies. Yeah, we want to make sure that our citizens are able to act uh, within our nation and to contribute to it. I'm responsible uh, for maintaining the sort of religious and lore aspects of Verda. I've been helping design our holy books and our pantheon. Okay. What other positions in government are there in Verda? As region, I'm planning on creating a table of ranks. Essentially, this is uh, a way to organize our upcoming nobility. You see, we never really had uh, positions built right off the bat because as a an upstart nation, it's not a great idea just to have your bureaucracy and no one to fill the positions. We're going to allow it to organically develop, uh, but we're going to be basing it around sort of a hierarchical system uh, that was... Uh, it's sort of based off of what existed in a later Imperial Russia under Tsar Peter the First. Huh, interesting. And also under Nicholas the First. Mm -hmm. All right, let's uh, go ahead and learn a bit more about Verda. Let's uh, jump to the next part here, Verda history. So, if I if I have my information correct, Verda is a Civ Classic born nation, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it was not an any other iteration of any Civ server, how did it start? Well, Verda sort of began just because uh, Magnus wanted to make her own uh, monarchy where she could rule and uh, have a lot of power. Can you, um, uh, however, can, at the time... Can you tell us a bit more about Magnus, actually? Well, Magnus is a very long-term... Uh, Civ, Civ genre player. She was on in uh, 1.0 onwards in uh, as Lord Magnus. Um, she's British, so unfortunately she couldn't attend the event. I see. Um, so I'd, I'd give her a shout out if she if she did. <laughs> uh, yeah, she had some something of a reputation of being a troublemaker in earlier versions. Um, she was one of the first people pearled in 1.0, I believe. And no, basically was, wanted to topple civilization. It was in the. It was actually in two point oh. She was one of the first I people pearled in the Titan War. Oh, apparently. okay. I apologize. I got my source incorrect there. Thank you very much, Hoja. <laughs> this is according to the Civcraft Wiki archives. All right. So back to uh, the origin of Verda. So how did it start? Well, Verda kind of appeared as a. Uh, federation between Crow's Roost, which is a city to the north, and Pinnacle, which is a city to the east. Pinnacle was founded by Ginge Chris, 
Um, and due to its proximity to Verda, everyone was sort of chatting up, chatting it up. Well, proximity to Crow's Roost, my apologies. Uh, mm. Everyone was sort of chatting it up all the time, and eventually they federated. Okay. And so, who were some of the other founding members besides Magmus? Well, there was Axis Grad, who's here. Um, Ginge Chris, I mentioned, and there were quite a few builders who I really haven't gotten to speak with a lot. Uh, I know Nep was very important in uh, bringing Verda and Nevada together, but unfortunately a lot of its members have sort of faded off into obscurity, so it's hard to get uh, in contact with them to talk about their experiences. Do you know what was kind of like some of the original goals of the people that founded the nation, Verda? Like, whether it's building or what type of government they wanted? Well, Magmus definitely wanted to have an absolute government. Uh, some of the people who, well, including Axis Grad, who's here, uh, who I've spoken to about her, say that she definitely isn't one who wants to give up any power. Um, and pe the people here were completely fine with that. Um, and I find that to be completely interesting because a lot of people on this server definitely are very power hungry or at least want to have a lot of say in their government. But people who really just want to get along under a stable government are also uh, are very important to the server, I think. Um, I mean, not just get along under a stable government, but work under a common hand, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And if you look around Verda, especially in Pinnacle, you can see that this is definitely, this was definitely a nation of builders when it was founded. Yes, it's definitely seen. If Magmus was, uh, especially like the absolute monarch of this nation, were there any PvP ideas originally, you believe? No, which ultimately I think led to uh, a decent bit of, uh, was a pretty important factor in their downfall which i think we're going to get to eventually yes we will uh so overall it sounds like uh the nation did have some ideas but uh before the raid as you talk about uh let's go yeah. ahead and talk a little bit more about that so what uh what can you tell us about the turning point the raid how how did it start uh why why did it happen and what was the outcome of it um, well, the raid was kind of a shock to everyone in Verda. Verda had a lot of protection from various civs, including Anguish, actually, uh, against smaller raids. But all of a sudden, on, the, on July 25th, uh, people might remember some of the large posts around that period. Uh, there are three pretty experienced raiders uh, arrived in Verda, while a lot of people were offline or were busy with other work, and practically just purled everyone there and covered the entire city in lava. You see, this didn't really do much of much damage to the society as much as to the individuals in the society. See, everyone lost their personal possessions, their homes, and that's really what's going to what really is something that causes a lot of damage to a society as opposed to just losing their material wealth or whatever. It's more about the morale loss that uh, that Verda felt at the time. Uh, who did raid them? Were they was it a nation that raided, or was it just a group of raiders? I have the individuals' names. They're Banana and Rice, Sethrus, and Nephis Zero. As far as I know, they weren't associated with any nation, and I don't know if they were supplied by any nation. Very well. 
Uh, so what was, what did this cause? Like, what were some of the outcomes of this? Well, as I said, a lot of sort of morale loss was, yes, but uh, was experienced. I mean, like, I, I guess a bit more of the long term, would you say? Well, from morale loss comes loss of population. People really weren't that interested in Verda anymore. Even though the grief was cleared up, people started to get their possessions back. People just didn't have much of the light in them anymore. And the population teetered down, and Verda became sort of a group of ghost towns. I see. Um, so how has... Was there a time, would you say, that Verda was not occupied then, and how long would that have been? Well, I'd say there definitely was a time when no one was really, uh, well, it wasn't a functioning government, first off, but no one was really active in Verda. Uh, and that would be around two months, maybe just a month and a half. But if you go on their subreddit, rverda, you can see that some of the latest posts were, you know, hey, anyone here, etc., uh, etc. Et I see. Uh, so, um, so... Where is it? Okay. Uh, so how, obviously, Verda is alive and thriving today. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. uh, how did it make that comeback? Well, as I said, we got into contact with Magmas mm -hmm. uh, when we squatted on their land. It was really just a lot of coincidence, and but a lot of persistence. Hoja and I worked a lot to gather resources, gather wealth, so that we could really start building again. You know, this monastery, a lot of nearby buildings, and we had to, uh, we're all built in the course of a few weeks. You know, this monastery only took about five days. Uh, so I think a lot of persistence and dedication from uh, the two of us was very important. But also, uh, the luck factor, I'd say a lot of new friends spawned nearby, and we could snag them pretty easily. And they're pretty dedicated as well. I, I think even though not a lot of them are here because they're mostly, you know, Europeans. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely give my heart out to them for being uh, really dedicated to this. But I guess uh, what I would like to know a bit more about is so bit personally from your perspective. So uh, you logged on, you tried to start this one city, Axiom. When did you decide that you were going to, I guess, bring uh, Verda back to life? Well, we were contacted by Magmus, actually, because we were in the Verdun really? Discord. Okay. Yeah, and she said, oh, I was just thinking of handing this over to you guys, and we were we were pretty stunned by this. Wow, um, yeah. Yeah, Hoja, how did you feel, would you say? Yeah, I said, I mean, I, yeah, I was shocked. I didn't see that coming. I, I thought, um, I mean, at first, Magmus seemed like they were very, you know, apprehensive about us being there, but I guess because we were so persistent and that we were we were getting a lot of stuff done and working hard, I guess she decided that, you know, we might be able to do something for Verda, you know? Mm-hmm, I see. And so you explained a little bit of the recruitment process that you went through, but what were, like, some of the first uh, building blocks or what were some of the first steps that you took to once you became leaders or you were given possession of Verda? Well, first off, we decided it was, it was time to reform the government. Uh, well, this was mostly for flavor, but I think it definitely helped us to get a lot of morale and get a lot of willpower into this nation. 
Uh, in addition, we already had a lot of resources left over from our Axiom project, uh, and that helped us, you know, build new buildings, supply our new friends, and all that. Um, but it was very important to, you know, protect ourselves against raider cause, raiders, because we did not want to have the same end that Verda did a few months ago. Of course. Yeah. We also... So, we also made efforts to advertise. We recruited friends. We recruited new friends who popped up, etc. That's definitely all all Hoja's work because he's in charge of outreach, etc. Yeah, and he's extremely good at that. I made, yeah, I made the Verda propaganda poster, which appeared on the subreddit. Yes, I saw that. That's actually what originally got me interested in contacting you guys. That post. Uh, but so. I guess another question that I forgot to ask is when did were you given ownership? Like a few weeks ago, a month ago? Yeah, it was on the scale of a few weeks ago. Three and a half weeks. Okay. Um, although it took a bit of time to sort of negotiate what would go on, et cetera, et cetera. I see. Okay, that makes sense. And okay, so let's uh, go ahead and move on to the final part here, uh, Verda culture itself. Uh, so what types of styles are you building in your cities and the nation? Well, Crow's Roost itself has a really nice sort of backwater river city vibe. And we want to sort of spread that throughout the whole nation, but not to a, a great extent. It, here, this settlement with the monastery is called Obshina, which is Russian for just settlement. Um, here, we want to have more of sort of a Russian vibe. Um, something more of a religious vibe as well, especially since this is kind of our uh, seat of the religion. Um, we're not so sure about expanding Pinnacle, however, because Pinnacle's, no one's living there now, unfortunately. Uh, okay. But we'll definitely take some inspiration from the great architecture there. I would highly recommend a visit there. Very well. Uh, so what are some of the themes that you're working off of here? Well, there's a lot of historical themes, uh, and Hoge is definitely the uh, better historian of the two of us, so right. I'll let him talk about exactly. it. Exactly. Are architectural themes, or just themes in general? Uh, architectural to start, and yeah, themes in general, too. Yeah, well, we're obviously drawing inspiration from a sort of agricultural uh, medieval style of, uh, as you said, Avshina is you know it's a russian word it's drawing from a sort of uh, early communal kind of feudal life there um, it's an organic town you know it's based around that monastery and it's supposed to grow outwards we want to sort of balance the planning and the free farm here you know there's a definite way that the town's organized but it's not so organized that people are unable to build how they want we want things to be close together we want to have the appearance of a sort of rural community for Abshina. With Verda, we want to maintain the uh, sort of riverside aesthetic that uh, the early Verdans already developed, and yeah, we want to we want to create the appearance, uh, not just the appearance, but the reality of a of a community of working people, you know, who are yes. all working under the kingdom, you know, mm -hmm. under the regency. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh religion and how it plays in Verda. From what I understand, especially us being at a monastery, plays a pretty big part. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I can. 
So Verdun, uh, Verdun religion is, you know, as I said earlier, it's a theocratic autocratic regime. The autocrat is supposed to respect and uphold the principles of this religion. And this religion is supposed to hold, uh, you know, hold the values of the nation. It's supposed to hold, you know, literally the spirit of it. We want uh, all of our citizens to, you know, undergo the rituals of the religion as we're developing it, and we want it to. Uh, we want it to be something that's a sort of, you know, another architectural theme that people can use. The different religious symbols that we develop, uh, it can be a real touchstone for the community. What are you know? some of the big elements of the religion itself? We've drawn uh, from a, a variety of real-life religions and other sources, uh, like, for example, uh, sort of uh, Iranian uh, religion, or which deals around fire and uh, sort of Malikian-style things. We've also drawn, we're definitely a polytheistic religion with a pantheon, but uh, we've also drawn elements from, uh, you know, paganism and Russian, obviously, it's very Russian influenced with Russian orthodoxy. Since it's Verdun orthodoxy, the monastery is supposed to emulate that to some degree. And my title, patriarch, comes from orthodoxy. I see. And so, can you tell us a little bit more about this monastery where we're at right now? Yeah, it was very. It's very recently built, as as uh, as Hexiety said, it's been built over the course of about five days. But um, yeah, and it's modeled off of uh, Italian and also uh, sort of a mix, I'd say, between Italian and uh, Russian architecture here. It's supposed to be the sort of seat of the religion for now, uh, as though we may develop more complex and elaborate uh, architecture for the, you know, maybe a, a veritable temple, you know. But it's also not just the seat of the religion, but it's the seat and center of the community of Lepshina, and that's where we produce our alcohol. Ooh. You know, monks, it's only, yeah, it's supposed to only be accessible by the clergy. And uh, the clergy are supposed to control the supply of alcohol here. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. So uh, let's move on. What, talking a little bit more about the buildings here, and you kind of talked a little bit about it. Are you currently using any buildings uh, that were around before the raid? Uh, have you changed them? Do you have plans on destroying them? What are you doing with them? Um, well, mostly we're using farms and infrastructure from beforehand. A lot of the buildings are completely empty at this point, to our knowledge, or are personal buildings. Uh, we're trying to encourage old friends to come back and use those buildings, um, but for now, especially in Crow's Roost, we can't really find much use for those old buildings. Um, but the farms created especially by you know Axis Grad and people from Pinnacle uh, have definitely been very important in our EXP and liquor production. Yeah, I'd also like to add that I don't think we plan on destroying even empty buildings. We don't plan on destroying anytime soon unless we are certain that we can replace them immediately because nothing's more important in this game, I think, than the appearance of a real urban environment for cities. Otherwise, you know, you look like you're not real. You know, you look like you don't have a mark on the map. I'd agree, and it also it, leave, it gives you a chance to leave something behind so that if this iteration is around for, let's say, a year, people can still come back to what they built or see yeah. what other people have built in the past. It gives a sense of, uh, 
it gives a sense of history, I'd say, definitely. And that's important. And that is really good for really bringing, making people feel like they're part of a community. Exactly. How many citizens do you currently have in Verda? You, I believe you said about nine or 10. Uh, how many from before the raid are still active? And the ones that aren't, how hard is it to keep contact with them? Well, we do have a few people kind of just walking around and hanging out from before the raid, but really we don't have any people um, as official citizens from before the raid. I, I mean, see. we have Axis in the audience, and he was uh, he was here for a long time beforehand, mm -hmm. uh, and he still kind of hangs out, but he's technically not a citizen. Um, and plenty of people who were in uh, Verda and just have residences there um, still kind of hang out in the server in general. Like Gavjanks, I believe, was uh, a major like a major player here, as well as Nep was who uh, was a pretty major player. Now, the people that aren't active anymore, like, I mean, some people are just completely gone from the world. I have no idea where they've gone uh, <laughs> in general. Um, but generally, everyone who was ever in Verda or ever was associated with Verda, uh, just tangentially, is in the Verda Discord. And we've we've used that for most of our, of our communication at this point. So, you know, it's it's not too hard to keep in contact with them. And I think that's something that's really great. You can talk about history. You can talk about, you know, the Civ genre as a whole. Discords, uh, you know, there's disadvantages and advantages, but I think they're hugely important for player retention. And I'd agree. That's what we're all about. Yes. Uh, so I have another question. Uh, so what I, I remember seeing yesterday when you graciously gave me a tour, uh, the Eternal Fire uh, and the building that surrounded it. I'd like to, I think uh, people would be interested in hearing about that. Well, Magnus built that towards the beginning of Verda's existence. Um, it was built around sort of their pantheistic uh, tradition they had. Um, Magnus had an idea of a fire, fire cult uh, that she wanted to implement, even though it didn't really take off as much and she didn't encourage it that much. Uh, a lot of buildings in Crow's Roost are uh, centered around sort of religious themes and in Pinnacle as well. Um, but that building in particular is sort of the ceremonial seat of Verdant Orthodoxy now. The Eternal Flame represents sort of all of the gods coming together in the form of fire, sort of our holy symbol. Hmm. Right. And I'd add to that that the holy, the Eternal Flame is one of the, uh, it's the site of our most important rituals. Like inducting people into the faith involves them jumping into the fire and jumping back out again on the other side. Very well. And dealing with Verda growing, because it's been growing pretty quick from what I've seen, uh, how have you been able to keep up with the growth? Sometimes it's very easy for a nation to, the growth kind of outpaces it, and it can lead to certain, you know, dire situations. How have you been able to keep up? I think a great way to be able to keep up is just creating sort of a sensitive community. No matter how tangentially people are uh, are associated, you should definitely encourage a sense of inclusivity uh, as well we have a lot of resources still left over from the axiom project I'll, I'll bring that up we we ground uh, we did a lot of grinding we mined a lot of stone because we planned on building we plan on building like huge roads mm -hmm. uh, so we can afford to reinforce like 
another 10 monasteries or whatever. Oh, wow. That's a lot so, of stone. You know, uh, all, all hidden around different chests. So there's not too much of a problem with, you know, building or resources. Uh, I'd say one of the issues, of course, would be sort of uh, helping out new friends with the commands. Yes. Uh, sort of, yeah, Citadel is a bit hard to grasp for a lot of new friends, mm -hmm. even though like they, they get a hang of it eventually. Um, it's hard to remember to use. Yes, I agree. But if anything, if anything, I think we should have more growth because the more people you see online, the more likely you're to, you're to come back. So. Uh, but how have you been able, what steps have Verda taken to include people? You mentioned this idea of encouraging inclu inclusivity. How have you done that? Well, sort of, uh, we were trying to build a culture here, um, and it's it's fun to have a lot of flavor, I think, and a lot of our citizens have said that as well. Sort of, uh, it's fun to experience a little bit of role play, um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, having fun with each other, cracking jokes. Yeah, I we always want we always want to be talking, and we always want to, you know, give people a job, give people a purpose, and give people. Uh, some friends, you know? And I think if you can do that, you've already won. You've already won them over. All right. Let's uh, go ahead and start to wrap things up here. Uh, what advice can you give to first-time nations on this server? Well, in my experience, you definitely want to just be friendly to everyone you meet. Like, I mean, it might be a bit risky, um, and I know... We've had one or two people we've added to groups who've, uh, you know, made off with a few things. Um, but, you know, overall, it's been great for us. In addition, it's probably a good idea to, you know, get some friends. Um, we're, we're good friends right now, I'd say, at least with Worm Wizard uh, and, you know, a lot of a lot of his friends, you know, uh, Kate Eeks. Um, and we've been in a bit of contact with some uh, people from Yoadl, but I think it's very important to find sort of a, a network you can contact to protect from raids and, you know, to back you up in any case. Okay, yes, that makes sense. You can't do it all alone, especially as a first-time nation. Mm -hmm. And uh, being prickly is a great way to lessen your reputation anyways. <laughs> so... This is a bit more of a recruiting opportunity here for the nation of Verda. Why should someone become a citizen of Verda that's listening to this? You know, thank you very much for asking this question. Um, but I definitely think that Verda's unique in that we're friendly, but we also can take you know a lot of the goals seriously here uh, in that we want to create a civilization and we want to... Uh, build up a city, not we just want to a build, vault. Yeah, exactly. We want to build a city, not a vault. We want to build a civilization, not a PvP group. We take the goals of, you know, harkening, harkening back to, you know, where we for both first joined Civcraft. It was still a very political environment, and we really enjoyed that. And we want to make that more common, make that to the forefront of Civ Classic, if we can. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and answer some questions that are here in the questions for end. Uh, so one of them that I see here is from Edward Renhorn. And uh, if you had to do something differently 
uh, and Verda's pass, what would you have changed or focus more on? Personally, I would have encouraged PvP training. I mean, Verda fell due to a lack of experience in PvP, as well as a lack of you know preparation um, with equipment. Uh, that's that's my personal opinion. I think we should definitely pursue some level of militarism. I agree, and I also would add that um, from our readings of the old uh, Verd and Discord communications in their secure channels, they might have made some poor diplomatic decisions, uh, which mm. would have led to, if they didn't lead to problems for Verda in the short term, they would have led to problems if they hadn't gone inactive before we came here. I think pursuing a policy of friendship with everyone is a is a, the best policy. It avoids conflict, it, it brings you commerce, activity, and prosperity. With yeah. a little bit of discretion, of course. Of course, we don't want to ally with communists or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, here, another great question that Edward Renhorn also asked was, how did most of the new friends that joined Verda, how did they find Civ Classic? Are you aware? I imagine most of them got in through the subreddit. Um, Obviously, there's not a lot of it's uh, not a lot of publicity elsewhere. You know, mainly would be people who maybe were tangentially related to earlier Civcraft iterations. I know we've brought in a few people we've known from uh, you know political servers. Um, Hoja has advertised on a few of those, and though we haven't gotten like dozens of people from there, we've definitely gotten people who are interested, which I think is a, a great thing. And uh, here's a question from Axis. Uh, what in-game books uh, have New Verdans written, or do you plan to have written? Well, definitely holy books, which uh, Hoja knows a bit more about than I do. Yeah, at the moment we're composing the Verdan holy book. Ah, okay. All right, and on that note, uh, we are going to wrap up today's episode of Box Talk. Thank you to our guests, Your Holiness and Regent, and I am looking forward to watching your nation progress from here to the future. All right, thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having us. Also, I want to give a special thank you to the to the nation of Verda itself for hosting this event and for being the official sponsor of today's episode. And lastly, I want to thank everyone here uh, listening live on the Discord or here on the map in Verda watching it and everyone listening to the podcast. You are the people that keep me contributing to the server and help bring us all closer together as a community. So truly, I am thankful to the audience, my fans, and most importantly, don't stop being you. Now, I am Warm Wizard, and this was Box Talk. Thank you for listening. Actually, I am not going to end right here. I'm currently editing this, so this is after everything that went down last night. In case of you have not seen the memes or heard the news, while we were having our after party last night, myself and many others were pearled for the lols. We were thrown in a chest not too far away from the event, just because who pearled us thought it would be funny. We were pearled by Gnome V3. Obviously, that's an alt. Recent development said that our criminal was using hacks, so the admins have been able to step in. Uh, as far as I'm aware right now, uh, I am no longer pearled. I'm back in the overworld, and same with everybody else. So that's my side of the story. 
Well, we really let our guard down. There weren't too many of us at the party. We were all drunk in game. We did not expect anyone to show up. So on that end, that was my bad. I'll make sure that doesn't happen at future events. I'm not even going to go into why this was pretty wrong when we weren't doing anything because most of you listening to this point already know that. I will let you know this will not stop me from hosting future events on Civ Classic. I just need to do a better job with precautions and same with the people hosting. Next week's episode will not be aired on Thursday because of some in real life complications and I will let you know with some time when and where it will be. Thank you to listening to this last part, and be safe out there, Civ Classic.